unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of, excuse me, of envy and strife. Can you imagine someone preaching Christ out of that attitude? Now they were preaching Him. I don't have any doubt about that because the Apostle Paul would not have put up with doctrinal error. So it wasn't that they were preaching error. They were preaching Christ. But they were doing it trying to make things tougher on the Apostle Paul. He says, some do it out of envy and try, excuse me, strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing, here we go, to add what? Affliction. The idea of the word there is the, the um, friction that the shackles would have made on Paul's extremities. He says, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other, the others, they preach out of love, they preach out of goodwill, as was mentioned in verse, uh, verse 15. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. That reminds me, and it harkens back a little bit to what Paul says in Acts chapter number 20, verse number 24, when he says, none of these things move me. Really my question to us this morning, one of the wonderful truths of this passage is found in, and we'll read it in just a moment, it's found in verse 18, but also a wonderful truth in this passage is that Paul was set. Circumstances weren't going to hinder him. The fact that he was in chains, the fact that he uses the word bonds, wasn't going to cause him to quit. By the way, I love the phrase in verse 13. He says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. People saw what was going on with the Apostle Paul. People knew that Paul was in chains. He was in bonds. It was manifest, the Bible said. And because of that, and not just because of that, but Paul said, look, I'm set. He said, these, these are preaching in love, verse number 17, because they know that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And so the, the application and the question for us this morning is, what is it? What circumstance is it that moves us from where we're supposed to be? What is it that moves us from God's calling upon our lives? What, what moves us? Hey, moms and dads this morning, what moves us from being the mom and dad that we're supposed to be in the homes? What, what is the circumstance that causes us to be detoured and deterred from what God has called me to do. He's talking about preaching the gospel here in verses 12 through 18. Christ is preached, verse 18 is going to say. But oh, the application. 
can be to everyday life, every area of our life. Hey, when you get up in the morning and the morning doesn't start the way you think it should start, is that just going to cause you to fold up tents tomorrow and not have the day that God desires for you to have? Paul says, I am set for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18, he says, What then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Because here's the truth, tomorrow, what I do tomorrow will directly affect whether Jesus Christ is preached or not. By the way, most likely tomorrow I won't preach a message. I won't stand behind the pulpit tomorrow and preach. But tomorrow my life will preach. And if I allow the circumstances to move me off of where God desires for me to be in my spirit and in my attitude, and by the way, it can happen, that I'm not going to preach Christ the way that I should. I want to bring you a message this morning entitled, very simply, it comes right from verse 17, I am set. I am set. Father, help us today. Teach us. Father, we, we just commit these next few moments to you, Father. and We're asking for your Holy Spirit to move in our midst. Lord, please help us to be yielded to your Spirit this morning. Preacher, listener, speaker, listener, children's church teacher, junior, junior church teacher, toddler church teacher, kids. Lord, may we be yielded to your Spirit. May we be attentive, not for what a man's voice has for us today, but what your voice has for us today. Your very Word that has already been read and is going to be proclaimed this morning Lord, may we allow that to speak to us today. Father, help us in these next few moments. Father, help those that are away from us today. For whatever reason, we ask that you would watch over them, care for them, put your hand upon them of healing or protection or whatever the case would be. We ask that you would intercede on their behalf even right now. Father, we love you and we just pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Once again in the text before us, we find the Apostle Paul rejoicing. And we clearly see the reason for his rejoicing, verse number 18, because Christ is preached. And he is being preached in the midst of less than desirable circumstances. We all love life when it is lived on top of the mountain. But the truth is this morning, very little grows on top of the mountain. Most growth takes, excuse me, takes place in the fields and the pastures of the valley. That's where most growth takes place. We said when we began a few weeks ago, walking through the book of Philippians, we gave a definition for the word joy. Joy is a state of peace, hope, strength, gladness, and contentment brought about by trust in God's promises, obedience to God's precepts, and delight in God's presence. In verse number 13, the Bible says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. The word palace in verse 13 most likely refers to the headquarters 
built by Tiberius for the powerful and prestigious Praetorian Guard. When Paul arrived in Rome, he was turned over to the custody of this Praetorian Guard, or more specifically, to the Praetorian Prefect, the commander of the elite guard. And in the midst of these bonds and persecution, Paul preaches Christ. Let me ask us, how is this possible? How is this possible? Paul, you're supposed to be bitter and angry about your circumstances. We live, we live in a world filled with people who are bitter and angry about their circumstances. Paul, you're supposed to be bitter and angry about your circumstances. Paul, you're supposed to be free to travel and to preach the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Paul, how can you possibly preach Christ? Though his palace was a prison, his throne a wooden stool, and his scepter an iron chain, Paul had more power than any Caesar ever wielded. When the circumstances are less than desirable, what should we do? We should preach Christ. We should love our families. We should do our jobs for the glory of God. We should stay faithful to church. We should stay committed to our calling. We should magnify Christ. We should shake and shine. For the Lord Jesus Christ, we should stay set in where God has placed us, and where God has put us, and what God has called us to. He said, I am set. These people preach. They're preaching Christ. Some are doing it out of contention and strife. Yes, some are trying to make it tougher upon me. Some are trying to add to my afflictions, verse 16 says. He said, but others are doing it out of goodwill. Some are doing it out of love because they know that I am set. They know that I'm not stopping. They know that I'm not giving up. They know that these chains aren't going to stop me. And I want to give us this morning from these seven verses, verses 12 through 18, I want to give us three statements if I could and We'll develop those a little bit. I pray that it'll be a help to us today. Number one, let me give you this statement. Paul's spirit was not shaken by the shackles. Paul's spirit was not shaken by the shackles. How come? Number one, because of his faith in God. Because of his faith in God. Look what he says in verse number 12. He said, but I would, you should understand, brethren... He said, he, he prayed for them in verses 9, 10, and 11. And then, and then in verse number 12, he said, look, I want you to understand something. I, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I don't want you to feel bad for me. I, I, I don't want you to sit around and, and, and moan and groan and mourn and weep because I'm in these chains. No, 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 no. I want you to understand something, church at Philippi. I want you to understand that what has happened unto me, this has fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Because of his faith in God. Hold your place here in Philippians and turn back just a little bit, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. You know these verses. These would probably be familiar to many of you this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Paul's spirit was not shaken by the shackles, first of all, because of his faith in God. Remember what joy is. Joy is a state of peace, hope, strength, gladness, and contentment. Not brought about by our circumstances, but brought about by trust in God's promises. His spirit was not shaken by the shackles because of his faith in God. Paul wanted the people to understand that it was okay. 
I want you to understand, verse 12 says, I'm going to explain this to you. You don't have to worry about my bonds. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, And He said unto me, My what? My grace. Paul says, Look, Christ said unto me, in verse 8, he, he, He besought the Lord thrice that this thorn in the flesh, that this might depart from me. And He said unto me, this is what Christ said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For who? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's spirit was not shaken by the shackles because of his faith in God, but secondly, because of the furtherance of the gospel. Because of the furtherance of the gospel. Paul was the captive. He was the prisoner. But he had a captive audience, did he not? Would you look at chapter 4 of Philippians? Philippians chapter number 4, the apostle Paul is getting ready to close out this epistle, this letter to the church at Philippi. And notice what he says in Philippians 4 verse number 22. He says, all the saints salute you. Chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. What does that mean? That means people in the palace. That means people in Caesar's very household had gotten saved. Why? How? Because of a man who said, I am set for the defense of the gospel. By the way, this would have rung so so lovely and so true to the church at Philippi. This would have rung so lovely and so true to the Philippian jailer, would it not? The man who got saved because Paul in bonds before he ever got there, in bonds in the, in the, in the prison there in Philippi is singing and praising God at midnight. And he's in bonds. And the Philippian jailer gets saved. Oh, when the Philippian jailer would have, would have heard this read or read it himself in the book of Philippians, would have rung very true in his ears. I know what that means. Can you imagine when Paul first arrived in Rome? When he is given over to this praetorian guard? Can you imagine some of the guards asking to be relieved of duty, keeping Paul? All he ever wants to talk about is this man called Christ. Can I, can I guard someone else tonight? Can I not be shackled to this guy tonight? But Paul's spirit was not shaken by the shackles because of his faith in God. Spirit was not shaken by the shackles because of the furtherance of the gospel. I think about Bill Rice who had a deaf daughter. That deaf daughter did not cause him to be angry at God or to be bitter at God or to quit on God. That deaf daughter led him to found the Bill Rice Ranch. Our children still, to this day, are recipients of that place. I think of Ron Hamilton when he gets a cancer diagnosis and he's not angry and bitter at God and he's not upset at God. God, why would I have cancer? Why would I have cancer in my eye? 
It led to the Patch the Pirate series that many of you, many of you have allowed your children to listen to over the years to be a blessing to your children. By the way, not just the Patch the Pirate series, but we, we probably know that the best because he was Patch the Pirate, right? Paul's spirit was not shaken by the shackles because of his faith in God and because of the furtherance of the gospel. Number two, back in Philippians 1, not only was his spirit not shaken by the shackles, but number two, Paul's brethren were bold because of his bonds. Paul's spirit was not shaken by the shackles. Number two, Paul's brethren were bold because of his bonds. My bonds, verse number 13, he says, are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. People hear about it, people see it, people know that I am in bonds and I am simply in bonds for preaching. For preaching the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I'm in bonds. Paul's brethren were bold because of his bonds. And in verse number 14 it says, Many of the brethren in the Lord waxing what? Confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's brethren were bold because of his bonds. His commitment emboldened them. His confidence emboldened them. And his Christ emboldened them. He emboldened them to understand that there was one for whom to live who was greater than themselves or greater than their personal comfort. That was Paul. Now I'm no different than you. I like comfort. I like things to be just so-so. But the Apostle Paul lived a life void of comfort. And he still preached and he still served and his spirit was still right. His attitude was still right. Paul's brethren were bold because of his bonds. His commitment emboldened them. His confidence emboldened them. He said in verse 17, They know that I am set for the defense. I'm like concrete. Concrete that hasn't just been poured, but that's been poured and it is set for a while. And now it is set and only a jackhammer is going to blow it apart. He says, I am set for the defense of the gospel. It says here in this passage in verses 13 through 17, some were envious of Paul and they preached Christ out of envy. Some preached out of goodwill. Some preached out of love. Again, I do not believe that they were preaching a false doctrine or a false gospel. Paul would not have stood for that. They were preaching Christ no matter the motive. Paul wasn't necessarily happy about their motive, but he was happy that that Christ was being preached. Number one, Paul's spirit was not shaken by the shackles. Paul's brethren were bold because of his bonds. Let me say this and we'll move right on to number three. You may be the very person, if you'll be bold, in your faith, if you'll be bold during your circumstances, that will encourage and give confidence to that Christian whose faith is waning and lacking a little bit. And they see you being bold in your faith and they see you being bold in the midst of your circumstances. I told you, and and many of you have seen it because we linked it to the Facebook, but... I told you several weeks ago, actually it's been two or three months ago now, I told you of a preacher who was 
getting ready to have surgery and have his voice box removed. And he was doing so because he had cancer. And the very last night or the, the, the night he went into the hospital, the day before, the night before his surgery, he was able and his wife posted on her Facebook. She showed a picture of this nurse there and, and she said, My husband, in his last act of being able to use his voice box, he said, she said he led this sweet nurse to the Lord tonight. Just a few weeks ago, without a voice box, God allowed him to preach. You say, Pastor, how's that possible? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how all that works. Some of you can explain it, but, I, but he was able to preach. Man, what a source of encouragement. And he was preaching on not feeling sorry for ourselves. If anyone could preach that, he could. He's preaching on not feeling sorry for ourselves. God, I, I, I pastored a church for 40 plus years. God, I've served you for decades. God, I've done this and I've done that. God, why, why would you allow me to have cancer in, in the very place the, that, that you used me to minister for so many years? But he didn't ask that question. Oh, may, maybe in the quiet and maybe in the dark, maybe that thought might have come. That's not his spirit. His spirit is, Lord, whatever you allow me to do for the remainder of my life, I'll do it. Paul's spirit was not shaken by the shackles. Paul's brethren were bold because of his bonds. Number three. Paul's resolve to rejoice was rooted Paul's resolve to rejoice was rooted. How, how did he do it? Verse 18. His spirit was not shaken by the shackles because of his faith in God. You trust in God this morning? Are you obeying his precepts this morning? Are you delighting in his presence? This morning. That's where the joy comes from. It's not from getting a promotion at work, although that's good. That'd be wonderful. It's not getting a check in the mail, although that's wonderful. That's God's blessing. But that's not where true joy comes from. It's from delighting in His presence. It's from obeying His precepts. It's for trusting in His promises. Because of His faith in God, because of the furtherance of the gospel, Paul's brethren were bold because of his bonds, his commitment. Paul's commitment emboldened them. Paul's confidence emboldened them. Most of all, Paul's Christ emboldened then and then number three Paul's resolve to rejoice was rooted notice what he says in verse number 18 what then what Christ just preached what then because I am set for the defense of the gospel what then 
notwithstanding every way, whether they do it in contention, whether they do it in envy or strife, or whether they do it in goodwill or out of love, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense, pretending, or in truth, Christ is preached. And notice what He says. And I, therein, the fact that Christ is preached in that, when He says therein, the fact that Christ is being preached, the fact that the brethren are emboldened to preach, the fact that my chains are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, therein, in that, I rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. Hey Paul, it sounded good the first time. Say it again. Say it again. He says, therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Paul's resolve to rejoice was rooted. What was it rooted in? Two things. It was rooted in the multiplication of converts. But most of all, this is what led to the multiplication of converts. It was rooted in the message of Christ. It was rooted in the multiplication of converts. But it was rooted in the message of Christ which led to the multiplication of converts. He says, I am set. I am set. And it doesn't matter what, what, what area we're talking about this morning, whether it's the preaching of the gospel, that Christ is preached, whether it's talking about staying faithful to God's Word in rearing our children, whether it's staying faithful to our wives and our husbands. You know, a lot of couples today a lot of married couples, a lot of families who have absolutely no joy in their homes. You know why? Because they don't trust His promises. And they're dead for sure not obeying His precepts. And because they're not obeying His precepts, they're not delighting in His presence. So there's no joy. Because we're not set. Circumstances come along. We get moved from that which God has called us to. Hey men, this morning God's called you to be a good husband. Just because your wife says something that kind of hurts your feelings, you, you, you ought not be moved from the spot of being a good husband. Ladies, God's called you to be a good wife. By the way, God's called you to be a submissive wife. Don't let something just because your husband did something move you away from being the wife that God has set. And by the way, let me say this. Don't let culture and society move you from where you're supposed to be as a wife either. I may get a little blowback from this, but hey, we're here, let's say it. 
You know, one of the things I think we're failing in doing when it comes to marriages and with our young men and our young women before they get married, I think we're failing to teach the lordship of the husband. And because we fail to teach it, husbands fail to understand the great responsibility that they have. They are, the marriage is a picture of Christ and His church. The husband and wife are a picture of Christ and His church. And the husband, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.25, the husband is to love her and give himself for her. And so we don't teach the lordship of the husband. And so husbands don't understand the grand responsibility they have. And then the, the, the young ladies don't understand the grand responsibility they have to, to fulfill their role in the marriage, to be submissive, to be reverent to their husband. And so you have ladies who go around and they question everything any man ever does. Because that's what society teaches them they're supposed to do. Hey, if a man says it, question it. And I think we failed a little bit there. Because I think we're afraid of that word, Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it's there, look it up. It's there. 1 Peter chapter 3, Sarah used to call Abraham Lord. Not because he was some dictator, but because he was in God's position in the home. Right? Y'all with me? It's there. Pastor, you're saying something you ought not say. I'm saying something that God said in 1 Peter chapter number 3. But society has taught us, no, 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 no. We, we break all of the glass ceilings. No, no, no. If a woman doesn't work outside of the home, then she's second rate. No, no, no. Doesn't mean she can't, but doesn't mean she's second rate by any means. She's fulfilling God's role that God has given her. And what grander thing to do than fulfill the role that God has given us? By the way, let me talk to the kids for just a second. Kids. Just because mom and dad tell you to do something that you don't like to do, it ought not move you off from the position that God has placed you in. And that position is to be obedient to mom and dad. The Apostle Paul, he says, I am set. And the, and the chains, and not, by the way, none of us are in chains. Are we? No. It may be one day, but we're not yet. Our children may be. Some of us may be someday, but not yet. But we sometimes, and we're all guilty of it, we allow such flimsy circumstances to move us from where God desires us to be. And because of that, we get over in our corner and we sulk and we pout. And because of that, Christ isn't preached. In my life, Christ isn't preached. In my home, I'm not, I'm not being the husband I should be, and so Christ isn't preached. My children are being the children they should be, and so Christ isn't preached. In our churches, we're not being what we ought to be, and so Christ isn't preached. At our jobs. The 
By the way, teenagers, if I want to know who you really are, I'm not going to ask your mom and dad. You know who I'm going to ask? I'm going to ask the people you go to school with because they're the ones that know. Don't you ever allow circumstances or, or pressure to move you away from where God has called you, from, from the purity and the separation as His child. Because if you get moved over here, Christ isn't preached. If I get moved away, Christ isn't preached. If our church moves from where God has placed us, Christ isn't preached. I'm set. Paul's spirit wasn't shaken by the shackles. Paul's brethren were bold because of his bonds. Not because of their bonds, but because of his bonds and how he took it and how he responded to it. And Paul's resolve to rejoice was rooted. It was rooted in the message of Christ. And it was rooted in the multiplication of converts. Circumstances come and sometimes they're not fun. Circumstances come and sometimes maybe in the quietness of the moment we ask, Lord, why? But no matter the question we ask, the response is, Lord, here we go. It's here. I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to trust your promises. Lord, I'm going to continue to obey your precepts. Lord, I'm going to continue to delight in your presence. I'm not going to go away from you. I'm not going to run away from you. I need to be in your presence because going through this situation, I will not have joy and rejoicing if I'm not in your presence. Are you set this morning? Or is it kind of back and forth all the time? Well, I love him. I hate him. I love him. I hate him. I love her. I hate her. Oh, my parents. They're, they're great today. Oh, my parents are the worst in the world. No. Paul said, I am set for the defense of the gospel. Knock on the door and somebody slams the door in your face. Well, I'm not doing that again. No, no, I am set for the defense of the gospel. May that be our hearts this morning. Amen. Father, thank you for the time you've given us. Thank you most of all for your word. Father, Christ is preached. Father, I'm thankful. Father, I'm thankful that's the most important message. Lord, may by our lips and our lives, by our response, to circumstances that are less than desirable. Father, Christ is preached. Father, for believers this morning, if they've allowed circumstances to move them off, move them away from the spot where you have them and where you've called them, Lord, just help us to get that right this morning. Father, for one or maybe, maybe several this morning who might be here without Christ, Father, may they be saved today. And Father, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to confess I failed this morning. We talked about Christ is preached and I didn't even preach Christ. In the quietness of a moment, I'm going to do that right now. If you're here this morning and you never come to Christ, 
I want to tell you this morning that there's a God in heaven who loves you more than anybody else could ever love you. And He loved you so much that He sent His Son. 2,000 plus years ago, He sent His Son to this earth. Born in a manger, He lived 33 years. He went to the cross we call Calvary, the place called Calvary. He went and He died. And He did that. He died there as a sacrifice. And He shed His blood on that cross. And the Bible says that His blood is perfect. It is pure untainted without sin and he's the pure perfect sacrifice three days later after he died on that cross he arose again victorious over sin death and the grave and the bible says if a man woman boy or girl will place their faith completely and totally in him and his finished work in the gospel the death burial and resurrection of christ the bible says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved it's not about how good you are it's not how about how good you're trying to be. It's about what Christ has already done for us. And friend, if you're here this morning and you've never asked Christ to save you, I'm going to beg you, we're going to have a, a moment of invitation. The piano's going to play in just a moment. If you've never received Christ, I'm going to ask you to come this morning. If you're a lady, we'll have a lady take the Bible and go with you. If you're a man, we'll have a man take the Bible and go with you and show you even further what the Bible says about salvation, about eternal life, about heaven, about hell. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to come. Let's stand to our feet if we could. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Joe's playing this morning. If you need Christ this morning, I beg you to come. Believer, are you set this morning? Are you, or excuse me, are you set for the defense of the gospel? Paul's spirit wasn't shaken by the shackles. And because of that, his brethren were bold because of his bonds. Paul's resolve to rejoice was rooted. You see, if we'll root ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ and understand that even though tomorrow through Friday we may have a job that we go to, maybe even a job that we really, really love, and that's good. But, but if that's the case, that still, that's not my life. My life is Jesus Christ. Every day when I'm at that job and I'm loving it and I'm doing it well and I'm doing it for God's glory, I'm preaching a message. Every day in my home, I'm preaching a message to my children and to my wife. Every day I'm preaching a message to somebody, to the people in Walmart, to the people in the grocery store, to the people that the Lord allows to cross my path. Paul said, Christ is preached. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. Dear believer, tomorrow when circumstances aren't exactly the way we would desire for them to be. Are we still going to rejoice? By the way, are we still going to rejoice? The Bible says that we ought to rejoice because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Hey, if you can't rejoice about anything, you can rejoice that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You can rejoice in the fact that your sins are washed away, that you've been forgiven that you've been washed in the blood, that you're a child of the King. And that relationship will never end. Rejoice in that.
But I would dare say that most all of us this morning, we have so, so much more to rejoice about. Beautiful families, beautiful lives. Many people would look at your life and say, How, boy, wonderful. You know what has made it wonderful? Not you, Jesus Christ. Simply trusting, the song says. Amen. Thank you so much for your attention this morning. Let's pray we'll be dismissed. Look forward to seeing you back tonight. Choir, 445, right here, 6 o'clock, 515 for hide and seek for the kids. And just look forward to seeing you tonight and fellowshipping together again. Brother Rick Jurdak, would you dismiss us, please, sir? Amen.